All right, guys, welcome back to the No Langa podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This episode's going to be a bit different. First, we're going to debrief on the BMW Championship Pro Am uh, with our awesome partner uh, from The Bachelor, Ben Higgins. Would not have expected uh, to have had as much fun with Ben as we did. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk with Mackenzie Hughes about his season and coming up as a young PGA Tour player and a PGA Tour winner. But first, this episode of the No Laying Up podcast is, of course, brought to you by Callaway, the number one selling driver of 2017. The great big Bertha epic driver from Callaway Golf. You've heard all the rave reviews, and we're going to continue to remind you about that. And also from the PGA Tour, note that uh, with Scratch, Golf is full of strange people and strange things, and their stories make adventures in golf. Eric Anders Lang is taking viewers on another tour around the globe, searching for the craziest and most intriguing stories and personalities in the game. And Season 2 of Adventures in Golf is pretty fascinating. So uh, with that, let's get to the podcast. As soon as I club, be the right club today. Yes! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, we got a, a, a little different episode this week. We recorded with Mackenzie Hughes. Tonight, this is Wednesday. We're speaking right now. We recorded with him on Tuesday. You're going to hear that uh, probably around the 20-minute mark of this, but we're going to debrief on playing the BMW Championship Pro-Am today. Myself, DJ Pajowski, we're planning to uh, debrief on it, and instead we invited a guest on that, I, as of like a week ago, I could not have ever imagined we would be having a contestant from The Bachelor on as a guest <laughs> on this podcast. Ben Higgins, though, played in our foursome today, and he was awesome. We had a great time and wanted to debrief with him. So, Ben, welcome. How hey, you? I'm happy to be here. Dude. I didn't think I'd be here either, but I've made it. I've made <laughs> when it. did you commit to even come come this week, or when did they invite you? Uh, that's a good question. I uh, decided to come probably about a month ago. Uh, BMW sent me an email and um, reached out, and this is a dream of mine. I love playing pro ams. Yeah. I just love being out there, the the feel, everything, and and I knew I couldn't miss this tournament. Yeah. Um. And so about a month ago, I decided to come, and and, and here I am. So what? Uh, what? Give people a quick update on your background. How you yeah. came? You were a contestant on The Bachelor, and then I was going to say I don't the, know if the, your audience what, is exactly the demographic. Well, that, uh, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, let's start at the beginning. What's the forty-five second version of it? Uh, people probably know me best from being on um, The Bachelor and Bachelor, and so I was uh, on season twenty of The Bachelor, and um, I guess they're going on to season twenty-two now. So about two years ago, I was The Bachelor, and and ever since then, I've been trying to to live my life being the bachelor um, and also trying to kind of wiggle my way into as many programs as possible. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That <laughs> might be worthwhile. That is a circuit. I mean, there, there is like a mini tour of guys who go around playing the programs. And I think you're kind of, I'm getting your there. way in. Yeah. yeah I'm trying the dream. I mean, I was I was joking. I don't know if you guys know Alfonso Ribeiro, but oh, yeah. he is yeah. uh, the host. He's on the circuit. Yeah, he's, on the, he's circuit. on the circuit. And that's why I keep asking him when I see him at these things. And, and he's a great dude. And, and himself and Chris Harrison, who's the host of The Bachelor, is a is a big-time golfer. And I, I text these guys and I said, hey, like, how can I get involved in the stuff you're doing? Well, first off, you need a career in entertainment, which I don't have. But they do have. So uh, you know now I have a you know my own podcast and I'm, I'm kind of doing my own stuff and so I'm trying to get my way into to getting on the circuit. Uh, I, I need to play in, better man. than I play the day, but hey, 
I'm still I'm still fighting. <laughs> so we got paired with Brian Erlacher, and so it, how it worked was it was myself, you, and Brian Erlacher were a threesome. Then we had a drawings party Monday uh, evening at Wrigley Field, which was just incredible. But you yep. guys both missed it, and so I had a lot of pressure on me. I'd never met mm-hmm. either of you guys, and I got to come up with. A, I got feel like I got to bring good luck to the drawing, and B, I got to make it choose a good pairing and a good time. And I had Rom in like my, my top five of yeah, guys I would have chosen. Of course, and he fell. I had like the seventeenth draw, and he fell all the way to seventeen. I took him immediately. What'd you think of playing with John Rom today? I, I was so impressed with John. Honestly, I mean he's he's a young kid on tour. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I, I watched him from the national championship uh, onto. I mean throughout his tour career so far, which is a short one, but he was nothing but great to us, I thought. I mean, he was helping us read putts. He was helping out my swing. He and his, his caddy, Adam, they were both, you know, helping me out with my swing and, and my my approach shots, and um, they made this day better, which yeah. is, I think, really the maybe the pro's only responsibility is to, to help enhance the day at any level, and, and they definitely went beyond right. what they had to do because they don't even have that responsibility their responsibility is to play in it just honestly. to play really i've heard stories of like uh i won't name names but yeah. you know the the amateurs are in a group and they call into their sponsor or whatever and say look this guy hasn't talked to us like for the entire whole can you can you do something about this and they come out and talk to the pro and say you know can you engage and they're like Nope, I'm not getting paid to be to talk to them. I'm being paid to play in this. It's, so it's it's not a guarantee. So yeah. I think we hit the jackpot. Redefined print. We really yeah. <laughs> that guy's poured over the contract. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, we we hit the jackpot today. I mean, if that's not their responsibility, uh, I just think it, it, then it's extremely kind of of the guys. Like, I mean, I I played with Kevin Kisner, played with Zach Johnson. And I've played. I've played with John Rahm, and all three of them have been great to me in these events. But John definitely today, I was just impressed with. I had a blast with him. Yeah, um, fun. It was fun. Such a relax. It's like playing with here. four, you know, three buddies. Exactly. So a couple holes in, you kind of forget that you're playing with a pro. I mean, he goes back to his tee boxes, and then yeah, like, except when he drives me by forty yards. Yeah, when he tees off forty yards behind me. That but yeah, that, other than that, that yeah, did that hurt a couple <laughs> times. But uh, uh, what was and Brian Erlacher, man, yeah. that guy was a revelation. I mean, I. I I mean, people love that guy in the city. He runs the city, essentially. Um, but, man, he it was like a buddy I've known forever, I felt like. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of worried, right? I mean, you, I've watched this guy growing up, and he, he's one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen play football. So when I heard about playing with him, I'm excited about it. But I'm also, you know, I don't want to come out here today and, and have, you know, some some super strict, tight dude playing golf with me. But he was, he was awesome, laid back, having fun, making jokes the whole time. Uh, and... And people around here love him. Oh, man. That's a big thing. Is you you hit a shot uh, to about four foot um, from I don't know 160 yards out. Erlacher hit a shot to about 13 foot from 30 yards out, and the crowd goes wild, and you <laughs> and you don't even get a clap. No, yeah. I, I could not get a clap to save my life today. So, uh, but yeah, they love him around here, and they should. Yeah. Uh, you can tell why he's so likable and so loved. The thing that it sounds like a cliche, I know, but. Chris and I were talking about it before. He's so good. Every I, I was keeping track. Every single person that asked for a photo, autograph, anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would walk across the fairway if someone shouted to him to, to take care of him. I mean, just the kind of guy that you always hope people are going to be during pro-ams. Yeah. And, I mean, he was totally he, – he, if anyone's driven around Chicago in the last – Four or five years, you've seen all the hair billboards. Yeah, yeah. put up with all the jokes and uh-huh. all the comments from everybody. He was good natured about it because I gave. I was like, 
there, somebody finally asked him about the hair, and I was like, "Is there any? Is that on display?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you did. Funny guy. Yeah. Uh, no, he was he was awesome. I, I I just I don't know. Again, you don't know what you're gonna get with a guy like that. And I mean, he could be you know just there to play the golf, but we we had a blast when we talked about playing more golf when we were done. And yeah, um, yeah, it was oh, that was like a dream for some. Let, let's talk about uh, the start. Let's talk. Let's oh. talk about Solly's game. Oh god, <laughs> coming out of the gates. It was early. It was very early. Let's give him that. Seven ten tee time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we'd put in all the prep, though. We you did know? put a lot of prep in. Uh, it didn't go great for about six holes. I forget when it turned, but yeah, six holes. I think I lost four balls in the first six holes. First of all, it's a pro-am, though. Yeah. Par's your friend. You can't do worse than par. No. You're not going to get up there and start hitting irons off team. I mean, some mm. of the holes are 350 yards, but you can't be that guy that hits iron in a pro-am. So we're just wet, cramming drivers down places that they shouldn't probably go. And Yeah, we, we had our moments, though. I mean, we you know we shine at times. Yeah. I thought we when the track man came on, you turned. The, I the did. Light switch. The track the man. The so the track man. Everybody out there probably knows what track man is. But yeah. when the track man was measuring my swing speed, I felt like my game took a step up. Yeah. Um. Uh, John actually looked at me and he said, "What do you have to lose? Like you're not hitting your driver well today. Swing for it." Yeah. And I did. Yeah. I went after it, <laughs> and it was the best shot I hit all day. 114 mile an hour club head speed. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I, Bombed. I, I, it will be my claim to fame that I outdrove Erlacher by about five yards on a hole. There you go. You got <laughs> That's him. a big deal for me. You got him. We turned it around, though. Oh, huge. Yeah, yeah it was great. You played great coming back in. I think uh, I made five birdies between eight th- and 18. You scrambled to make the cut, I think. <laughs> I, think we got, yeah, I think you got it back together to make, to make the cut. I was going to say, man, you alone might have pulled us to be competitive in this event. You did. I mean, I don't think we were paying attention uh, as close as we should have because we were just having a good time. Yeah. But you might have gone on a birdie brigade. Well, so but with with so what's your handicap? Seven? Seven. Seven. And Brian was a six, I think, mm-hmm. or eight. Or, or, he was close to that, and I'm like a two. So in these, we are at a horrible disadvantage. I mean, there's... I think when the winning score is 2,500, right. it's going to be Gretzky, hard to do it with, yeah. that, with those handicaps. the group behind yeah. us. I think he was getting 16. And somebody yeah. said he made like three birdies. Especially when Wayne Gretzky is an eight handicap at his club. Is he really? I mean, he's not far from Ooh, it. I've been to plays, Sherwood before. Probably oh, no. plays 200 rounds a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a 16 was a very generous handicap for him today. Well, this morning in the pavilion, again, it's like 6.30 in the morning, and I see Brian there, and I'd never met him, so I just was like, hey... Go, go He's talking to somebody, and I walked right up to him, whoever he was talking to. Just, hey, real quick, I'm your pro-am partner today. I'll see you out on the range. And, I, and then he's like, oh, he stops to like, talk to me and be nice to me. And then he introduces me to the guy he's talking to, and I turn it was Wayne Gretzky. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wayne was not that thrilled that I just butted into the conversation. No. I felt really bad about it afterwards. I was just trying to pop in and be like, hey, you know, we're going to go out to the range. And, uh, so that part was pretty embarrassing, but... Man, what a day! That was that was an absolute blast. I I've never had I don't know I've got to play in one pro am before, but this was, okay. just blew it away. I mean, I mean, can you you got to look around at times like this, and it, and it can happen to anybody, right? Pro ams are awesome; they're open to the public. Yeah. I mean, they're expensive. I don't think any pro am is not ex- expensive, but on days like today, I do feel very lucky for everything that's brought me to this point. You were asking me what's the best thing. I th- maybe, DJ, you asked me what's the best thing that happened to you post bachelor. I said, I get to do stuff like this. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of up and down through this whole thing. But the cool part is I look around and Wayne Gretzky's teeing off behind me. You know, John Rahm and I are standing on the tee box together. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting a ton of new people. And Brian Erlacher and I are walking down the fairway. Like, right. 
this isn't a bad life. Like, yeah. this is pretty good. And then now the No Laying Up podcast. <laughs> and now I'm on the No Laying Up podcast. <laughs> You're streaking. Yeah. I'm, I'm, on a heater. Yeah. And, and uh, have you told every, all your listeners where you do this at this week? In a hotel room. Your studio is yeah. is about as luxurious as you can get. Yeah. We'll tweet, not, a, we'll tweet a photo. It's good. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a cleaned up shiny I like hotel this. room. This is, this is a good, how I live. Exactly. So, live. yes. This is the icing on the cake. Exactly. So, what... You know, it kind of blew me away. We were talking a bit earlier, but I like wholly unfamiliar with the bachelor mm-hmm. so Same with me we, two guys that don't watch the <laughs> <Yeah>. bachelor <laughs> and uh so you know it kind of blows me away that you go from pretty much total obscurity to yeah. kind of where you are now and you know you told me a little bit about earlier but i just kind of recap a little bit of that yeah you mean you really do yeah, you know you go from crazy. being a software salesman that's what i was at least or you anything currently you know, am still currently am a software salesman to uh Probably help sales yeah well <laughs> you would think um sales are good but do you yeah you, you and then all of a sudden you have you're on a show that nine million people watch and you don't realize that when you're on the show it really happens i was telling you dj like when you get off the show then all of a sudden you start to realize that people recognize you and, and ask about you know your life and they care they care about your relationships and you go from zero to 100 and it I think that's why so many people that are part of the franchise kind of get overwhelmed with the attention. And I know I did, you know, right away you're confused at why everybody cares so much and you just kind of want to separate yourself from it, but you can't. Um, it's kind of like a, you get to a point of no return. I mean, exactly. And once you're there, and once you're there, there's, yeah, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. And then, you know, for me, they offered me to be the bachelor. And once they offered me to be the bachelor, I don't want to turn that down for, for obvious reasons. Not only is it a great step in my life, I was ready to find somebody, um, but it's a good opportunity because life kind of enhances from that most of the time. Um, and, and it's an experience that I would have never been able to get without saying yes to it. And so you, I'm already a little overwhelmed from being on The Bachelorette. And then I say yes to being the bachelor, and every, you know the whole focus is is on you. The whole franchise is literally resting on the bachelor or bachelorette's sh- shoulders for, right. you know, six months of of, of their life. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, yeah, I imagine with again how many people are watching it and you being the center of it, and it's not. I mean, we talked a bit about how they film it and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's just as you would imagine, not how it looks on TV. No, no. And it's tough. I mean, it is. It's a, it's a tough experience, but it's a, it's a good one. You can make it the best. I, my, my buddy, who is the host of the show, uh, who is a great guy, and I hope you guys can talk to him sometime. He, he's just a really solid Golf dude. Fan, right? Yeah, yeah, huge golfer. Um, he told me, he said, hey, use this whole experience not to change your life, um, but to enhance the life you've already had before. And and that's really kind of my, my motto going forward in all of this is, Hey, is this enhancing life or is this changing it? Um, days like today enhance my life. Right. This is this is a good thing, um, and it's kind of crazy to me too. And it hit me again today. Is you know I'm walking down the fairway and Rom is asking me about the Bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Kyle Stanley, huge Bachelor fan, right. good dude, great guy. But you know I'm getting to say hi to him. Or Zach Johnson, I play in his event every year. Like these guys that are now like that know who I am. And they want to ask me me about something, yeah. right? Before, if I would have played a pro, I would have been like chasing them. Right. Hey, can I can you know can I touch your clubs? <laughs> uh, but now they're asking me about you know do I eat dinner on the dates during the bachelor? Like yeah. it makes life really fun for me. 
uh, we're having a good time. That was that was Rom's one question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Erlacher's questions cannot be repeated on here. No, Erlacher really cared about things that Rom Rom cared about the food. Yeah, Rom was, was like, "Yeah, my girlfriend makes me watch it." And he's like, "Yeah, do you eat the actual food?" Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. it's the best. Yeah, the yeah. Timing of it was perfect because Erlacher was like, "Yeah, we're gonna need to, some answers to some of these questions." <laughs> it was. It, it's all good. It's it makes it it makes it more fun for yeah. me when I feel like people actually kind of care about my life a little bit. So what's your background in golf, by the way? Yeah, so I played, um, golf has a huge place in my heart, actually. So I played from the time I was a little kid. Um, I was about five years old to uh, the time I was like 13. And I wasn't bad. I wasn't great, but I was a good little golfer. And I stopped playing for about seven years, or six years. And then uh, I, was a, I was a decent football player, and I blew up my knee during a football game. And at that moment, football was done for me right in high school I wasn't going to get back and so I picked up golf again for the first time so I played uh my last two years of high school uh, I guess 18 and 19 so about five years I took off but 18 and 19 I, I fig- finished out high school playing golf and I haven't really stopped and and I guess when I, when I need my competitive bug or, or you know I want to go out with my buddies and, and play around this is what I this is what I do now um it's a game for life it's a game for life and that's what Everything it became comes back to golf man. exactly Erlacher I, finished his round today and was like i'm gonna go play more over at mary club today <laughs> and he's like retired nfl player like that's what i'm gonna do is play golf now yeah that's what people do everything comes back to golf in some way you're right how how close do you follow the game and kind of who are your guys you like following what's what's kind of your fans perspective on it yeah i follow the game very close i'm, I'm actually i'm realizing now over the last year and a half my knowledge of the game is is not as good as i'd like it to be right so Tune I, in here. yeah i gotta <laughs> listen go more go um so i've uh I've, I've been kind of investing myself into learning more about the ins and outs of the game i've always just been a kind of a fan i've watched you know, golf tournaments to figure out who they are. But I, I love the guys, a lot of the guys I've met. That's the cool part about the tour is I think once you meet these guys, you like them more most yeah. of the time, right? I mean, these guys, the, the, we were talking about today, the guys that you see on TV uh, and the personalities they display on TV are probably the guys that you you know behind the scenes, right? So like your, your Fowlers and your Zach Johnsons and Spieths and now Rom um, and Kyle Stanley's like those guys are, are and, and Kisner's like those guys are, are guys I love watching and cheering for them because I I just like who they are. They're just normal. People. They're just normal people who almost can. All of them are just normal dudes. It's and it's so almost, great. Almost all. Of them. Almost all of them. All, not all. Terrible. No, no. Some the, are terrible. Unnamed ones <laughs> that uh, that call me out today. I had a funny story. I walked in the locker room before around today and there's these big massage tables laying on the locker room, <laughs> right all over the locker because the pros and the, and the amateurs were sharing one together and i said oh and there's this guy face down on one of the massage tables with a, a dude rubbing his back and some of these programs you actually can get a massage before you're around they'll stretch you out for you and i said hey oh if you're on the circuit if you're yeah they said are, your card. <laughs> are, i said are you guys giving out massages and i was serious and the guy that was giving the massage looked at me and goes yeah to the pros <laughs> And then I looked. The guy looked off all the tables. Jason Day, and he just laughed. <laughs> and I, I put my head down and walked out the door. I was to- totally embarrassed. All I wanted was a little back rub. Roasted, <laughs> yeah, roasted. But uh, no, these guys are great. It's it's fun to be to kind of be around this. So what? Talk a bit. We talked a bit about what you're kind of transitioning into with mm-hmm. you know you're t- you're taking kind of what you've your influence that you have in social media space to yeah. kind of uh, take on a new project now, huh? Definitely, man. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, kind of going back to the enhanced life theory uh i have been in software sales for a long time um but i've also been involved in a nonprofit called humanity and hope united um out of honduras for for seven years 
And one of the, th- the things that I'm doing right now, and I'm about a month away from launching, we've been working on it since January, is we're starting a company where we're, we're purchasing products from third world countries, bringing them to the United States, selling them here in the United States, and then giving profits back to some nonprofits and social issues or causes that we believe are, are sus- sustainably changing the issue at hand. And so uh, I'm hoping that becomes um, something I can get more focused on as time goes on. So. Stuff. Right now we're starting with coffee. So in a month we we've purchased our first coffee from Honduras. We'll be selling coffee and selling it here in the U.S. I'm I'm pumped about it. Not only for uh, the the future at which it can can help out, but just uh, it's a passion project for me. I can relate to that. Yeah, I, I'm sure you yeah, can, so man. That's awesome. We, as soon as you told us that today, we were like, yes, go for it, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have some questions that DJ. So, yeah. So we were, like I said, we were struggling on the bachelor front. So I called in, you know, the the big righty, Graham Shirley, friend of the pod, <laughs> and uh, he he texted me probably a thousand words about <laughs> his bachelor experience, yeah, and yeah. he's I can't believe you're talking to him. Here's all the things I want to ask. I'm gonna try to whittle it down here. Um, he was sitting in traffic, just like pulled over to the side of the road, just firing. He off is questions. committed. He's so See, committed. this is the thing. The funniest part about The Bachelor, and I don't care who, it, to all your listeners, and, and, and you were talking earlier, you, you love your listeners. I don't care who you are. You can tell me you don't watch a show, but it's just like the kind of the Erlacher treatment, right? Hey, my, my, my wife makes me watch the show. And then you're like, oh, cool. That's fine. And then two holes later, you're like, yeah, but tell me about this. Yeah. And you're like, you watch the show more than you want to lead on. You like this, don't you? So there's got to be some of your listeners out there that kind of like this. I'm sure. I, yeah, go. So we'll start with the easy ones. Uh, how long are the rose ceremonies? Uh, that's a good question. So you start out the first night, and the first one takes about four hours. Um, as you go on, there's less people, and there's less cameras, so it's l- less and less time so i'd say the last or maybe if you have four people left it's probably gonna take a good 45 minutes and a lot of that is just kind of moving of cameras and stuff how much do the producers kind of influence the final picks each week you know that's it's always a question i think people want to assume happens right because the show's so crazy but i've always said this uh if you get 30 people in a house competing for one person and there's alcohol and food and that's about it People stop being polite. People start being st- real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People stop being polite and start getting real. And so they go crazy, man. Um, and so the the producers don't influence decisions too much. They more kind of have this like they just know everything going on. And so they kind of have this like almost God type view of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you make a decision and they kind of all giggle at you and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they really don't. I mean, it, it, for the most part, if you see a bachelor, a bachelor really truly mess up, which I kind of did on my season, um, it's probably their decision and their fault. Uh, he says, how awkward are the shirtless montages they film of you? almost every episode well for some of the bachelors it's probably not very awkward at all because those guys are jacked <laughs> but i had to like cut out cheese and carbs and alcohol for like three weeks just to get prepared for because i knew those just were coming advance. just to advance <laughs> and so i was just trying to prepare myself to look decent um and so every time they would have one i this is a little behind the scenes stuff it's a little embarrassing also i would ask them and we got to a close enough relationship we said okay if you're gonna film me shirtless Give me five minutes and I'll go do the, the, the pump pushes. <laughs> I'd pound out about 40 push-ups as fast as I could. Yes. Well, I did that on the first team. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let myself swell up a bit. And then we're good to go. Yeah, uh, then we're feeling it. confident. All right, I don't even know what this means. Uh, why on earth did he give us the impression that he fell for both JoJo and Lauren B, a.k.a. Lauren Bay? 
<laughs> this guy really does care a lot, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he really cares. Um, so that was kind of my my biggest mess up. What I was talking about. I did care for them both, and I think that's. I will never get on a bachelor or bachelorette during the show who likes more than one person, right? I mean, it's bound to happen. You have 26 beautiful, cool, great people that you're investing in a relationship in. Um, my issue was I communicated that to both uh, pretty openly towards the end. You know, why did I do that? Because I felt like it was the right thing to do, honestly. I, I thought, you know, hey, even if I let one of them go, I need to tell them how I felt so they know that this wasn't illegitimate or this wasn't a fake relationship that they know that I really did care and I was willing to tell them that now looking back it probably didn't matter if I did or not and they don't care that but that was my thought process and again that's one of those decisions that afterwards the producers probably go oh man <laughs> you're in for a good one here uh but I did it and uh I I can't regret it I don't want to take it back I don't really want to apologize for it but uh I would say that if I had to do over I probably wouldn't do the same way all right, Graham. Hopefully that helps. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you got any more, just just call. Yeah, that's just call Ben, and he, yeah, <laughs> Ben would love to keep talking about it. Just give him a call on his cell phone. And he'll, you know, that, he'll talk about it. I'm not gonna lie, man. Going into it, I had I knew did not know who you were, knew nothing about it, and they're like, "Yeah, you're playing with a guy from The Bachelor." I was kind of like, "Okay, that might be weird," but man, you were awesome today. That was an absolute blast. Glad to have you on. And uh, yeah, we'll have to play some golf. We'll have to hit you up or if we're ever in Denver, we'll play some golf. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. We, need to, we need to wrap with the the mainstay question. When was the last time? You paid for golf? Oh wow! Oh, I pay for golf every round. Oh, yeah. So that's not on the circuit. Yeah, I'm not on the circuit. So uh, it, I don't know what clubs listen to you, um, but this is my moment to shine. Uh, I I love golf. Uh, <laughs> I like to use my Instagram. That's what I was gonna say. You <laughs> have a million Instagram yeah. followers. You should be able to do whatever I can, you want. I can tweet fairly well. So if any and any, any golf people are out All there right, listening, you don't have to ask. please to ask. reach out to me because I would love to hit the ball around with you. So yeah, I, I do. I pay for golf almost every round now. All right. Well, once you make it on the circuit, that'll probably change. <laughs> uh, ben Higgins, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, thanks guys for a fun day, and uh, we'll speak soon. Appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot to Ben for joining us. That was a lot of fun. We're going to get to Mackenzie Hughes shortly. But again, want to check in to remind you guys a few things about the great Big Bertha Epic driver from Callaway. Uh, between the club reviews, the industry awards, the tour pros, and the golfers like myself and you, it seems like everyone cannot stop raving about the Epic driver. I know anytime I put it in somebody's hands and they try it during a round, they rave about it. Actually, uh, during this Pro-Am, they had some TrackMan data on us got up to 169 miles an hour ball speed and a 1.49 smash factor. I don't know what either of those mean, but people tell me those are good things. Uh, and I know that this, this driver is putting the ball in places that I've never been in on golf courses before and uh, might have even got a smattering of applause on a couple of those shots. So uh, you can customize your driver at CallawayGolf.com. Swing on by, check out all the eight different colors op- color options you have with it. Uh, I promise you, again, just try the Callaway Epic Driver, and there's a 0% chance you're going to be disappointing. Uh, now let's get to Mackenzie Hughes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We're here at the BMW Championship, joined technically for the second time on the podcast by Mackenzie Hughes. Mackenzie, how are we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. How, how, how does it feel with all this professional equipment this time? Last time you were this on... Is- this is we, pretty legit. We look, we actually yeah. just recorded it on a cell phone. Now I can uh, sort of verify for you guys now. Before I was like, ah, these guys are kind of sketch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's accurate. That's very accurate. No, it looks, this is pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. Good. Um, 
Well, first I want to I want to touch on when we did talk at the players. It, it was kind of we did a bunch of first time interviews. It was first timers that were playing the players for the first time. Yeah, we didn't know who was walking in the door next. We had no time to prepare. And if you did happen to listen to that one, we may recover some topics, but we're kind of going to start from scratch. So, um, first time here at the BMW Championship for you. Had you ever seen Conway Farms before this week? I had not seen Conway Farms before this week. We uh, we played here in college uh, with Kent State. Uh, we played tons of great courses around here: North Shore, Skokie. Never played Conway. Uh, never got to play it in the Western. Uh, I was a year after, like '09, they had the Western. So I never played Conway, but heard so many good things. Uh, I played the course now. Love it. It's. Uh, I mean. The course in Chicago here just—it's unbelievable. It's, it's like crazy. You can't. It might play be all like some of, of the best in the world. Like yeah. just so close together and just so many great ones. So yeah, I, pl- I lived here week. for six years, and everyone's like, "Oh, have you played here?" I'm like, "I've never even heard of that place." Then you go look it up. I'm like, "All right, I got to go play that one." So yeah, it's a insane. lot of them are private, and not not necessarily everyone listening is able to access. The, yeah, yeah. When I lived here, I did not have access to any of these courses. But man, it's it's. But now here. you can just walk on to any of them. I did, it's not what I said. It's not what I said. <laughs> People are kind enough to send some invites now, but um. this, this kind of segues into a question we talked about yesterday. We wanted to kick off some podcasts with a uh, question: When was the last time you paid for golf? It's mm. <laughs> a good one. So it's been a, it's been a while. I think last last year, so I was staying in Hilton Head with my grandparents at like a timeshare, and you know I'm going out to this resort and I'm playing on the web.com at this point. This is the spring of 2016. And it kind of it's always uncomfortable going into a pro shop when they don't really know you, but you're kind of hoping to get a free round of golf, and you're just like, <laughs> "So this is my name. I play on the Web.com tour. You probably don't know me, but can I play for free?" And you're like, "You don't you don't say can I play for free, but you're kind of just like, can you like you, you work know, around it? Yeah, you're like you're just me. like you know how's it looking out there? And they're like, "Yeah, it's a thirty five dollar cart fee." And I'm like, "All right, sure." So I paid like 70 bucks for two carts for my grandparents and myself and my wife. And that was probably the last time. And like before that, it hadn't been like for a long, long time. And it's just uncomfortable because even when I call it to places now, I don't like getting like just handouts. I don't want people to just be like, oh, you're on a tour like and expect to play for free. But I just... Yeah, I call out and I'm just like, hey, how's it look? You know, could I come out and, you know, play a few holes today and... I guess it's sort of becoming a little bit more normal, but still, still feel weird doing it. I think I think it's worth the club. It's not worth for the club, whatever it is, to charge whatever the guest fee or whatever it is. You know what yeah. I mean? For them to, I don't know. It's yeah. kind of weird. I know I know what you mean. Exact space of you don't want to be like, can I come play for free? But yeah, it's all kind of an awkward little. Uh, well, is this taken care of? Is it it is. It is. And even when they say, yeah, sure, come on out, and you're still just like, so. <laughs> Is I'm it free or like, for a couple? Like, if I'm going to drive 30 minutes, I'm, I need to know. I mean, <laughs> but it's got to be less of a concern now that you're a PGA yes, Tour yeah, winner. Yeah, than yeah. A, I was going to say, I would start every conversation over the phone or whatever with, just, yeah, this is a PGA Tour winner, Mackenzie Hughes. Um, <laughs> just, you know, curious how it looks out there. I haven't, uh, haven't pulled that one yet. Um, you don't want to pull that one. That's, no, that's what, no. That one gets around quickly. Yeah. This dude called up. You won't believe what he said. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, I've had pretty good success around Charlotte for the most part. So, um, you know, and hopefully just try and keep playing well. And I'll have to tell them uh, 
don't tell them who I am next time. <laughs> is it weird now? Say like, so now that you're, you know, you play on the tour, you're, you've won on the tour, you're 31 on the FedEx Cup, I think, sitting right yep. now. So, you're, you're. There's a certain. You probably don't necessarily get recognized everywhere you go, but when you go somewhere golf related, people will kind of, you know, say blah blah blah. So I always, you know, if I have a caddy that has caddied for a pro or something, they always like talk about how much the guy tipped and was he cool and stuff. Is it weird to kind of think anywhere you go? Somebody's going to say something about whatever you've done. You're from Canada, so you're nice, obviously, but uh, so it may not even enter your mind. But do you ever think about it's like, all right, I got to make sure I'm like tipping this guy enough or things like that? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, that's a huge part of it, and it's like you want to have a good reputation where you go and uh, the places that you visit, and even when you just like, you know, if I walk by, you know, a bunch of kids like today, you know, I'm playing a practice round and from the second green to the third tee, you kind of walk through this patio area. And like to my right, there's like 30 kids kind of hoping to get an autograph, but I'm playing as a single ahead of three guys behind me. So if I stop and sign for 30 kids, you know, all of a sudden I've backed up guys behind me and I'm like, well, I can't really sign. So I just kind of kept kind of turning to the left and walking that way. And you feel guilty doing it. And you just like, you think you hope that people don't think, Oh, that guy's a dick. He's just walked right by us and is not signing. Right. But it's so hard, and I can't even imagine what Ricky and, and Jordan and those guys go through because they have to do that so many times in the day, and there's just can't no way around it. You, but you just have to – if you want to get stuff done, you have to avoid that at times. And, you know, I'm learning that more and more, and it's not nearly – it's not a problem for me, but I still feel bad, yeah. you know, as a Canadian, you know, <laughs> leaving one autograph unsigned out there, and I'm just like, ah, that guy probably hates me, but, you know, nothing you can do. This is probably kind of a cliche question, but does that get turned up to just 11 during the Canadian Open week? Is it much different or is it? Yeah, no, it, I mean, we actually, when we're in Canada, us Canadian players probably feel like, you know, Ricky and Jordan on a regular week, you know, we're actually noticed and, you know, we, uh, we kind of, it's unfamiliar territory for me, you know, going to the Canadian Open and being one of the, like, you know, featured players, like coming there this year, especially as a, a winner on the PGA Tour. And it had a different feel this time around than I've played in uh, some past Canadian Opens. And it, it's a lot of fun, but you also wouldn't want to play like 20 Canadian Opens in a year because yeah. it, it takes a lot out of you. And again, hats off to the guys that, you know, week in, week out are, you know, celebrities every week, yeah. everywhere, everywhere they go, that's what they're dealing with. And I mean, I'm sure you over time it would just become business and and just clockwork, but it is you know yeah. a, a big added element to a tournament. Add in like sponsor stuff too. I mean, yeah, the more you are recognized by fans, the more sponsors you have, the more asks like the tour has of you. And even I, I, I don't know, I've, I I've gotten to know some of you guys and don't feel as bad about making asks. But then when you think about, um, sometimes I'm like, man, he probably got like ten some of these like hey can you do this for us for two seconds can you do this this and this do you see that increasing at all or is that still something you're kind of getting used to or yeah it's definitely increasing and you know i guess you just you try and find the right opportunities um and you know if you feel like it's gonna be like fun and you you know you enjoy like being with the guys that you're you know doing interviews with it's it makes it a lot uh easier um so you guys obviously yeah, you guys are just <laughs> feeling it today. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, that stuff is growing. And then, I mean, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. Like you, you just like now I'm playing the pro-ams now, like for the playoffs, like, you know, pro-ams are pro-ams, mm -hmm. but they're great 
They're great. Right. I mean, you want to be in the pro am. Right. If you're, you it's, probably don't want to play in the pro am, but you don't want to not get selected to play in the pro am. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm learning to, you know, obviously the pro ams are a huge part of the tour, and it's a huge like value for sponsors and whatnot. And I I understand that, and you know, I go out there and try and do my best to entertain and and be a lot of fun for my playing partners. And at the same time, you have to try and make that into a mini practice round, right? You need to, yeah. you know, still work out there, get some stuff done. Cause if you're out there five hours and you're just, you know, just entertaining, I mean, then it's not quite, you're not getting your return on that as well. Right. So you just have to make sure that you're, you know, slightly selfish on the golf course. Like it just take a minute, you know, on, on a hole and just say, okay, I'm gonna break some notes down or whatnot. But yeah, it's again, there's those guys are going to, their buddies are going to ask them, well, who'd you play with? Oh, McKenzie Hughes. What's he like? Well, I mean, he was just practicing on his own the whole time and you can't have that. So yeah. You yeah. You can't be, balance. yeah, you can't be totally ISO, but yeah, you got to find that right balance and I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so I know we talked, and I do remember in that first pod we did, we talked a little bit about your past and your, and how you got to the tour. You're from Ontario. You went to Kent state. The first question I have though, about growing up in Ontario, I've always been blown away by people from the North how they become essentially masters at golf, how you master golf in, in a climate like that. I mean, were you traveling during the, during the winters and stuff to play in other areas or you, what did you do in the winters in Canada? Yeah. I mean, I don't have a, a great answer, but I, I mean, I, I didn't travel South when I was 15, 16, 17. I wasn't, you know, going down to Florida, Myrtle beach, all that. I mean, I wasn't really doing that on a regular basis, maybe once or twice in a winter, you might go down for, a few days at a time and go practice and play. But, you know, I wasn't going to any academies or, you know, the Ledbetters, you know, yeah. school and all that stuff. I mean, it I just, I'd play, you know, as much as I could when it was nice weather in Ontario. And then when the weather turned, uh, you know, I was hitting balls indoors or, you know, then I shifted my attention to sports in high school that I was playing. Maybe it was like volleyball or basketball that I was playing, but, you know, I wasn't really doing much golf in the winter. So it's hard to really explain why we become uh, any good. Um, you could say masters. I said masters. masters? I mean, like essentially, yeah. but that's what I mean. Yeah, is that- I don't I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, we. I mean, I put my clubs down for, I don't know, four months, you know, and, and pick them up periodically. And then in the spring, you just start playing again. And you're like, you just expect to start playing well. And you're like, now, if I did that, I, I mean, I'd miss the ball. I don't. I don't know what I do. I mean, I play year round now, and if I take a week off, I get back and I'm like, you know, a deer on ice. You know, I'm just like, what do I do? Like, where? How do I hold this Swinging thing? Swinging a lawn chair. Yeah. So, it's it's really weird. But when when you don't know anything else, it's just normal. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is that we don't know anything else. And if you go from like if I had you know, lived my life from zero to 18 in Florida and then, you know, did a repeat and did zero to 18 in Ontario. And I was like, well, what do I do in the winter now? Like, you know, I can't play 24 right. seven, you know, three, six, five. No, you can't. And so, but yeah, I think it just comes down to not knowing anything else and then just, you know, putting your head down, going to work in the summer. Kind of maybe saves you from burnout too. Oh, I think it's huge. I, yeah. I mean, even now, you know, I've looked at going down to Florida, but I still like being in Charlotte because, you know, we get that change in season. And then in the winter, I don't really feel obligated when it's 40 degrees and, you know, raining sideways to go outside and, and grind. So I'll get my time off in the winter and kind of hit the refresh button and 
yeah, I think it's it's really nice not to be in it all the time. So how did you end up at Kent State? Her page, you know, that was probably the main reason. You know, him being from near Toronto, uh, that was a big pull. And I, I knew some guys there before I got there. And so I just, I, I wanted to, I mean, that made it a lot easier to pick that school knowing that I was going to know a few guys there. And then I almost went to Penn state and you know, that would have been fine too. I'm sure. I mean, I sure, I'm sure it would have been great, but I, I didn't think I was going to get as masterful <laughs> um, under, here. under those coaches and not, not that they weren't great coaches, but I just knew her page. I produced right. some really great players and I just, I just felt that was the right path. And, I mean, I have zero regrets going there. I, I loved every minute of it. And there were some hard times. And, like, you know, there were some times where, you know, it, you know, Herb and I, you know, we had some, you know, difficult conversations and some heart-to-hearts when I either wasn't playing well or things weren't, uh, you know, all rainbows and sunshine. But, you know, I think it made me a way better player. And I, I went into Kent State not knowing if I'd be good enough really to play professional golf and came out thinking that I was, you know, on the right track to play professionally. So that kind of answers a line of questioning I had there, but it's it's just I asked how you end up at Kent State because you you immediately answered with her page and that doesn't go like on your bio, right? It goes to Kent State. But that's what people I think most myself included, or your mind is trained to wonder like how did he end up at that school in particular? Because yeah. you know, not wasn't even necessarily about the school. It was for you, it was the coach. And that was that's what guided you the most. Yeah, it's essentially. Not that, essentially. not that Kent State is not, not somewhere you wouldn't want to go. But yeah, I and always I, want to know the lead factor. Some people say it's the golf course, it's the practice facilities. And, and then, you know, I, I would say second was the practice facilities, yeah. which they had just put in like a year and a half before I got there. And it's like a $2.5 million facility that, you know, for indoor purposes and for being in Northeast Ohio is a must. And Wow, it, look at this recruit. He's just a recruiting just, plug right it here. Is, yeah, it is Talked so good. Uh, go Flashes. Um, <laughs> all you top recruits out there, take note. Student dining is good. Yeah, I mean, the girls, the, the, the girl-to-guy ratio at Kent State is, let's see, it's it was like a 68% female enrollment when I was at Kent State to 32% male. My eyebrows just went vertical. Golden flashes. Golden flashes. All you young, all you young golfers out there. KSU baby. Um, so after college, you went you played the PGA Tour Canada in 2013. Yeah. You were the Order of Merit winner there, and you went to the Web.com Tour in 2014. You made seven out of four out of 20 cuts that year. What What is the biggest difference between you right now and you in 2014? There's a, there's a lot that's different, but I would say first and foremost the the difference would be the the confidence that I have now um certainly my golf game has 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 polished and, and improved as well but I just got beat beat down a little bit I I played okay out there and I was like if you watched me play around a golf in 2014 you wouldn't go oh this guy's lost he doesn't know what's like left and right I hit it fine I I chip it fine you know and no, nothing was like off I just you know, I would shoot a lot of 70, 69, 71s, 72s, and they just weren't going anywhere on the web.com. And Cause you got to go, th- you got to take it deep. out there. Oh yeah. And I just, and I wasn't putting well at all. 
And, you know, now if you were to ask me what the strength of my game is, I would say it's my putting. And in 2014, you know, I putted abysmal. I was just terrible. I mean, I and I lost so much confidence. And week in, week out, you're, you know, trying different things, trying different putters. And I just – I was searching way too much. And now I, I know what works. I know, you know, I've got two or three things I'm working on all the time. And I'm not – trying to find some magical fairy dust to sprinkle on myself that'll just make me you know an amazing player all of a sudden I just I know what works and I stick to that and just try and just get a little bit better you know each and every day and but again I I just think confidence in this game is so big and you know now that I've won on the web.com and the PGA Tour and I've and I validated to myself that if I go out there and play really good golf you know I can I can win no question and I, I don't have to like wonder well if, right. if i'd only finished fifth on the pga tour and i said oh yeah am i good enough it's good enough to win well if i hadn't won yet it, it's one thing to say it but you, you can always you know, draw back on it yeah always. but doing it and being like okay yeah, i won an rsm classic and i know i can do that again and that's uh that's i would say the biggest difference because i mean so 2015 essentially essentially feels like a reset year you went back to pga tour canada played well there 2016 you're playing web.com you win on web.com get your tour card through that and then you win before 2017 even comes about like does that does that did that feel like just a meteoric rise of 2015 i was playing pga tour canada now i'm a pga tour winner not just on the tour but i've won did that feel yeah i mean and that's like and that's a year and a half later i mean yeah. from the middle of 2015 to the fall of 2016 being a 20, right. uh, a pga tour winner i mean uh you know i never would have believed someone that they told me that you know not thinking that I couldn't do it, but just like, would it happen that fast? Uh, probably not. And what's crazier about the 2016 season is, and this kind of gets lost a little bit, is that the first half of 2016, I I kind of felt, you know, it was going similar to 2014. Like I started out the first half of the year and I was playing good golf, but I kept finishing like 30th to 50th and I just couldn't kind of get anything going. And, I entered the, I think, 12th or 13th event of the season, the Peak and Peak uh, web.com event, and I wasn't in the field, went to the Monday qualifier, shot 69, didn't get in, and the next day, like four or five, maybe even six people withdrew within the span of 24 hours, and I got in the tournament by some miracle. Food poisoning? I mean, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I mean, the runs, I don't know. And I get in the tournament Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday around lunch, and I go on to finish fifth for my best career web.com finish that week. And then from there, I just started snowballing some confidence, and I won six weeks later. And then another eight weeks later, I went on the PGA Tour, and you're just like, where, wow. where am I? What plan am I on? Yeah. Like now I'm in the Masters, and I'm going to Kapalua, and you're just like, wow. There's, there, go ahead. I know this is probably hard to answer because you do have a win, but it feels like there's something to be said for getting that win so early and, and just having it out of the way. It seems like you look at guys like Patrick Rogers or someone kind of comes to mind. And it's almost like, you know, having, being close and being close and, and it almost seems like you can build up some scar tissue and you kind of didn't even have enough time to do that on tour. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, no, it to- totally does. And I, you know, you look at guys that are on tour that are, you know, amazing players and you think they've been on tour nine ten years and they haven't won but they've been so close and they're and they're just so they're like they're proven great players and you're just like how is this guy not won yet but 
yeah, you're right. I mean, just the, the build up year after year. And it's like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he's had 250 starts and he's, you know, had, you know, 58 top tens. He's never, you know, cracked the door, you know, the yeah. seal on the win. And I mean, yeah, to win early, you know, not only being a rookie, uh, just to, like secure playing status for the next couple of years. There's you no know, better time of year to win, honestly, than when you did. No. I, I mean, mean, you get the, that exemption for two years after that season ends. Yeah, I mean, not only you're, play, yeah, you're playing your rookie season, you know, basically stress-free now the rest of the way. And, and now you say that, but it's like you still want to play great golf. Yeah. You don't just go out there and, like, of you course. know, start going for it from 295 yards over water. But, um, yeah, so you just, like, that part of it, you know, and then the, the two years after that. And then, yeah, it's just those guys, though, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I can't imagine carrying that weight around, you know, five, six, seven years down the down the road, being like, I know I'm good enough, but I've been so close so many times I haven't closed a deal, and then it just creeps into your mind. And so, just look at the playoff you're in, though. I mean, you're, there's five of you guys, yeah. right? And you you went from being on the as of Monday, I think there were four of you left at that point. You're at yeah. probably the the biggest disadvantage before your putt from off the green. You hold a par putt from off the green. So you went from probably the lowest odds of the four of them to winning. You make it. And then the following three guys miss putts and Vijegas's putt was pretty short putt. Yeah. I mean, you can just see how I, it, I don't want to say that's, I don't want to call that an element of luck, but the, the element of oh, roll unknown, that out again. Unknown. Like, I mean, just, just like, it, how could you have predicted that? Right. And like if, if you were to pause time, you know, as we're all putting for par and you had Vegas layout odds for, yeah. for all four of us. I mean, my odds would have been just crap. Right. Like, and, like, if you had the, the odds for me winning on that hole, I mean, right. you would, it was astronomical. You would yeah. put a dollar to win a million. Like, it would have been just nuts. And, I mean, but I told myself when I had that putt, I just said, you know what, if I can – I mean, I was like, this sucks. But if I can make this somehow, you know, all of a sudden it, it flips on everyone else. Like, yeah. they're just like, well, now I have to make just to, you know, to extend. And I just thought, you know what? Hammer. I'll just, I'll make it. Throw, yeah, throw, throw the hammer, throw a fist bump at him. Like wake him up. And just be like, like, like I'm here. You know, I'm in with par. Let's see what you got. And, I mean, it worked out. And I, never in a million years would have thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And I, I literally thought there would be two guys make it, at least one, and I'd be going to 18, right? And, yeah, I guess you can call it good fortune, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But it's just so many of these, I mean, guys like, like Charles Howell, I think he has something like 26 or 27 top three finishes on tour. That guy, and that guy has two wins. He's a machine. That guy and, has made $35 million or something like that. Yeah, and he and hit he a perfect putt to win at Quicken Loans last year, and it just fell low. Like, it barely fell low. And it's just, again, that's the, those those thin margins uh, just, yeah. Well, how about the year at, at the Buick? Or I don't know what it would have been called back then when he hit hit San the Tory. hit the paint on the yep. seventy second hole with a wedge goes back in the water and you're like oh aim, relatable aim, problem aim right like, <laughs> don't, don't hit it so good like I mean that's just stuff that you just can't predict and yeah golf is just weird that way it's amazing did you ever you know in that time when you were playing web and MPJ Tour Canada did you ever feel I, I always try to illustrate as best I can how many guys there are at that level. I mean, you look back at, you know, you have the tour group, which is a small, small-ish group in relation. You have the, like the web group, which is still relatively small. And then you get to that PGA Tour Latino America, Canada group, and that mini tour-ish group 
worldwide. I, I don't know a way to illustrate exactly how many guys are in that group. Did you ever feel like you were potentially going to blend into that pack and not be able to make it out of it? Or when you, while you were there, were you like, I have something that these guys necessarily don't have? It's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's not too braggy no, to say that. Like I You mean, clearly do have I, it. Uh, yeah, even when I was struggling, I still thought that you know, there was, I, I had something mentally that I think other guys didn't. And, you know, I just think sometimes it's the willingness to do stuff that other guys aren't doing. And I, and I still had that even when I wasn't playing that well. And I just thought if I kept doing the right things, I just thought that there was going to be a time where it would just break out. And, but there were times where I, I literally wanted to quit. I mean, there were times that, you know, golf just seems to like constantly beat you down. And I just, I had a couple of years there where, you know, it was beating me down pretty hard. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's just not going to happen. But then like, literally I had those thoughts and like a month and a half later, you know, I'm like charging on a web.com tour. I right. win. And then, you know, two months later I went on the PJ tour. So like to go from where like the darkest of darkest points in my playing career to like six months later, I'm like, well, <laughs> Let's go. I've got it. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's just go drive down Magnolia Lane. <laughs> <laughs> when things are dark like that, what's going wrong or what, what's kind of the, I think, you know, sometimes it's just like compounding your, like sometimes you get so down yourself and then like you just, it feels like every bad bounce you can get goes the wrong, it goes the wrong way. That, like it just, it just creeps in the water or, it, you know, hits the lip of the bunker and rolls back in and sort of bouncing forward. And, and I think, you almost like can't get over how like it's going. You're just like, can't get over that hump and be like, I'm going to just remain positive. It just like, it keeps beating you down. And I think you just get more and more negative and I don't know. It's, it's super hard to climb out of those funks. And I think, you know, it's really important having people around you that can, can lift you up because if you're doing it alone and just, you know, trying to find a way out yourself, it's, it's really hard. And I mean, man, what a what a hard hard game i mean i just i can think back to so many times where i'm just like i i don't know like when i'm gonna start playing well again or like or it's like i'm playing fine but why am i not shooting like 68 i'm shooting 71 or 72 and it's like one shot or you know one momentum swinging around where it's like if i could just make this eight floor for par maybe it changes the outlook of my day and you miss it and you're just like oh, here we go again <laughs> you know and so i think you know, a lot of it's just mindset and being able to like really keep your, your head in the game. I think sometimes it's so easy just to like not, not pack it in, but you're just like, well, you know, yeah, that's going to be a bad bounce. Or, you know, if it's like on the fence of it, is it going to be out of bounds or inbounds? Like, yeah, that's probably out of bounds. Like who cares? Like you just like, you know, yeah. you expect it to be the worst. And I think that's, that's kind of like, you can get really dangerous when you go down that road and start getting really negative and you just have to, you know, you have to find a way to flip that switch and, and just, I mean, the only way you're going to get out of it is if you can kind of just look at it more glass half full and like, okay, it's going to turn around. Like, you know, I can only miss so many putts. Like I'm, I can only, you know, shoot 71 so many times. It's like, I'm going to start getting some momentum here. So yeah, it's, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny to hear. I mean, you're, you're 26. Yeah. Like, you sound like you're 36. That's been through absolute hell. Like you, your struggles are, in the past were relatively short lived, which I yeah. mean, some guys battle it for so much longer. That's what's so, uh, I don't know. It's so it's what's pretty cool about your story. What, uh, 
what what would you say are some like some major lessons you've learned in the first full year on the PGA tour? What's your like some of your most valuable lessons that you've learned? Last one, and we'll let you get out of here. I uh, I think that the the biggest thing I've learned, and this I don't want this to sound uh, bad in any way, but just that all these guys are are very human, and like before getting out on a tour, I was like, these guys are like all robots i'm convinced i don't Not miss beatable. shots yeah i only watch them on tv just flush it and shoot 25 under par on hard ass golf courses and i'm like i don't know if i can do it with these guys and then i get out here full time play with a lot of guys and i see okay they all miss shots they all miss putts and look very human at times and that, that's not i mean I, I do the same thing and I, but it's refreshing to see that it happens to everybody and you know i've played with Phil and, and Jordan and Henrik and uh, tons of great guys and like they make mistakes even the top guys in the world make mistakes and that's been really nice to see not in a like I want you to screw up kind of way but just right. in that like okay it doesn't have to be perfect golf and guys are gonna you know be human and then it's okay for you to be human too and so I think it gives you a bit more of a an ease just coming out into a tournament and being like okay I don't need to be perfect I just need to be good enough. And guys, you know, there's going to be mistakes. You're going to make bogeys. And that's fine. And I think that kind of eased me into my, you know, first year as playing with Phil, starting out in Napa. And he's like hitting it kind of everywhere. And you're just like, he does that. You know, he shot like, you know, awesome every day. I mean, he shot 68 and 69 when I played with him. And it was like, I didn't see him for half the holes. <laughs> but. I mean, you know, but again, it's just watching those guys. It's just, it eases your mind a little bit thinking, okay, I mean, there's some exceptional talents out here and the top four, five, six guys in the world are, you know, probably not human 98% of the time, but they are human occasionally. And, but everyone else is, is human. And that's you know, one of the takeaways I've had too, is I've watched some of these guys, top guys hit really bad shots sometimes. And uh, that, that helps me be like, you know what? You can't get mad when you hit bad shots. These guys do it prof- like for a living, and they are totally. so imperfect. Totally. So, I think that's why we always say also, if you're ever going to a tournament, go watch someone play. Yeah. Holes. Don't yeah. necessarily watch yeah. the leader. Just follow them around the and way maybe, they play. Maybe around. go early on a Saturday and watch a guy that like just made the cut and yeah. see how, yeah. you know, like, I mean. Totally. I mean, how about two years ago? I mean, Tiger at a mo- mo- Memorial when he shot like 85. Yeah. You know, that was Zach Blair intimidation, though. Yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> CB. Uh, all right, Mackenzie, know you got to run dinner, but uh, thanks for popping by. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so appreciate you coming back on for a fuller-length interview. Enjoyed and, it. Uh, best of luck this week, and hopefully see you uh, in Atlanta as well. Thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect